Today's swapping number is 2,160. That's the number of new pilots Southwest is projecting they will hire in 2023. It's the largest number they've ever hired. That volume of new pilots means a lot of training. So on today's show, we talked to the training committee chair, Greg Bowen, and committee member Rob Myers, not only about new hire training, but also all other training our pilots receive. South Island 60, Midway Tower, one zero eight zero nine. turn left, heading 250, right, take off. Left, 250, heading clear for takeoff, four right, southwest, left, I'm Kurt Heideman. And I'm Amy Robinson. And here's our interview with Greg and Rob. So this is your first time on the podcast. Let's go ahead and introduce yourselves. Greg, you go ahead and start. Yep. I'm Greg Bowen, Chairman of Training and Standards uh, for SWAPA. And I have with me uh, one of the committee members. Uh, I'm Rob Myers, uh, Captain in Dallas, and I'm a committee member. How long have you guys been on the committee? Uh, for me, about five years. And I'm just a year and a half. What was your prior experience? I led the effort that built the AQP program for Southwest Airlines. I'm Dallas base captain. I worked for Greg uh, helping write the AQP program. And so what does the training committee do for SWAPA and our pilots? The primary function, there's a couple. Uh, the, the first function is AQP is a triad. It's defined that way in the FAA advisory circular that essentially defines AQP. And that triad is it's supposed to be a partnership between the company, the FAA, and the Pilots Association. So all the products that our pilots see every year in recurrent training, uh, we're embedded and involved uh, with the company in the development of those products and testing. The other thing that we do is if a pilot has trouble in training, we're there to represent them and help them get through the remediation process and, and back to the line. Do you do that uh, solely by yourselves, or does the rep, the pilot's rep, get involved with that as well? No. Once a pilot leaves the line world and enters training for any reason, we, we handle those activities. The rep typically does not. So the rep's more sort of disciplined. You guys are just purely doing The rep's it. in trouble with his chief. If the pilot's in trouble with his chief pilot or HR or anything you can imagine other than training, that's the rep. If the pilot's struggling in training has an issue there, then, then that's us. My committee consists of three folks, Rob and myself, and Steve Vaught's also, also on the committee. I know you evaluate each year's training, and I know you're in the process of that currently. Is that correct? Yes. We're just, just finishing up for uh, next year's uh, continuing qualification training products. That work starts in January the year before, actually, and most of the work is done during the first five months of the year, so it's kind of essentially done in the May to early June timeframe. And then beyond that, it's tested and tweaked and usually is locked down in a, in a product that's ready for the next year. Would you say, Rob, mid-August is coming up here soon? It's pretty close to finish now. Right now, they're working on the train the trainer. So most of the products are 95% complete with uh, just some changes being come down from after they do the train the trainer, they have some feedback for them to you know, make it just a little bit better. So, of course, the guys listening to this have to or want, to, want me to ask this question. What can you tell us about next year's LOE? Any insight? Any secrets? Well, as you probably know, one of the requirements is the LOE is supposed to be a line evaluation. So the theory is you show up for a trip on the line, you don't know what's going to happen to you. And the same is true for the LOE. So the FAA 
uh, and the company uh, hold the details of what's in the LOE close. Uh, yes, it leaks out. It doesn't tend to be an issue, but uh, just based on the agreements and our participation with the AQP, I can't really disclose the details within the LOE, uh, but there are some changes for next year. Such as? Well, the first first change is uh, there's a new feature that pilots typically don't need to know, but we're calling the day one training where you come in for technical ground school and you spend some time in the morning in ground school, and then you're in the training device in the afternoon, and then you roll into the next day for the maneuvers observation. I'm sure all of us are pretty familiar, especially the last couple of years, the MO or maneuvers observation has been a very fast-paced event crammed with a lot of things to complete, which are all driven by the program, but they have to be there. But point is, it's a, it was a very packed event. So they've been able to move some of the lower uh, threat items that previously had to be completed in the maneuvers observation. An example of that would be PRM approaches, uh, overspeed, things that are driven or required to be done that are considered kind of lower level. They're moving those out of the MO into the device in the second half of day one. So the MO for next year should be a lot slower paced and more room for remediation if necessary and just a overall more relaxed event. The other thing that's changing for next year is the last day, you asked me about the LOE, well, there's actually two separate events that occur on that last day. The first is the oral, which previously has been called uh, an SPE or Systems Procedures Evaluation. Uh, for next year, it becomes a little different. It's going to be called an SPV. And for the pilot's preparation for that, it's identical. You use the resource guide that's published. It has the questions, uh, obviously the things that you're required to know, your memory items, limitations, et cetera, along with that. The difference being is this SPV, um, if you have a problem in an area that you miss a question, for example, now they can remediate it right there in the event as opposed to ending up as a failure of the SPE. So it'll, it's, the technical term is systems procedures validation. So if you get something wrong, uh, the check airman up to obviously limits can remediate what you miss. Also, if you end up with an unsatisfactory result, it's no longer reportable to the FAA. It's just an internal thing and you retrain and, and do it again. So, Greg, are you saying that basically the the only uh, Jeopardy event then is actually the LOE, just the, the SIM part? Well, yes and no. Keep in mind that the MO is really a validation. You have to show proficiency on all the maneuvers. The point being, you know, we're allotted four hours and 15 minutes. If you have to repeat a maneuver five times, as long as you can get all the required maneuvers done in that four hours and 15 minutes, then... That's done. So you could argue, you know, is that a, an evaluation? Yes and no. Uh, the difference is, is, is it's not, uh, that also is not reportable. Okay. So I think what you're saying is the other events are repeatable. Just the LOE is, is your, uh, I don't want to say one and done, but the, the event that is uh, not re typically repeatable. Is that fair? No, that's not fair at all. The LOE is built in event sets. For example, one event set would be, Engine start, pushback, taxi, 
and at the runway ready for takeoff. That would be an event set. The next event set would be your takeoff climb to cruise and so forth and so on through the, through the flight. So if you mess something up, pushing back, starting an engine and taxiing to the gate, they can come back and repeat that event set, generally up to two. In that case, then, you know, that is remediable in the event, so it doesn't result in a failure. Um, the things that you can't repeat is if you violate company policy, if you violate FARs or exceed an airframe limitation or crash the simulator, that's a one and done in those cases. When you guys are evaluating um, next year's program, does Southwest take any changes from your opinions or suggestions? Well, you know, Rob, and that's why I invited him to join us on the podcast today. Rob is on point for him being embedded in many of those meetings. So I'm going to let him speak to that. Uh, they're very good about it. So we're invited in from day one. Uh, the first day I started working with Greg a uh, year and a half ago, uh, the email blew up and it was all the invites to development for this year's 2022 CQ because they were, you know, in the middle of deciding everything. And so just as every one of the PDT members uh, from Southwest gets to vote on what they think is the, the best scenario to test the data with the pilots, then I have the same vote with them and they take our opinions and use them. And sometimes they don't, but just like any other member of the team, there's you know, things they want to get done and things they don't want to get done. So I think uh, I think they're very good partners with us on that part of it. Yeah. And, and then once all that work is done, they circle back and and I get a full preview as well. So both of us get a look at it before it before it hits the, the public, if you will. One question I had for you guys is the um, I've heard a lot about the leadership day on on day one, which is part of ground training. Is Are they going to keep that again next year as well? Well, that's a great question. Um, the leadership day is driven from an advisory circular the FAA came out with, and it had a finite time that all airlines had to comply. And the only way to do that was to add the additional day for this year during CQ. Going forward, the recurrent piece of that leadership day is embedded within the normal three-day footprint. So uh, for this year, the four-day footprint was because of us trying to comply with the advisory circular. Next year's back to three days, and anything related to the leadership is embedded in the in the ground school. Uh, speaking of that extra day, have we heard anything, or do we have any anticipation in the future of extra training? I mean, we had the EET a, a year ago, and and then leadership. Can we expect more in the future, or should we expect to go back towards three days for CQT? Typically, there's no definite to that question, but in general terms, there's nothing I'm aware of on the horizon right now that would trigger a fourth day, but that doesn't mean that something could come up. You know, we've got supposedly the Max 7 coming. We haven't been informed from Boeing or anybody else exactly if what differences there are. There's a possibility there could be a fourth day to cover uh, Max 7 differences. Not likely, but it's a possibility. It's, it's really hard. Basically, it's up to whatever whim of the FAA and, and they think that needs to be done. There's, the AQP is built based on data inputs and compliance with things. So we're on a three-year cycle for systems of the aircraft. All of those, all systems have to be touched over a 36-month period of time. So anything that's 
additional that's determined that has to be trained, there's not a lot of room in there without going to an additional day, I guess I would say. And I, I will add to that, Greg. So at the at the beginning of the year when CQ is first being laid out, everything is thrown on the table from uh, all the required stuff to the additional things that leadership would like to see, and then all the data trends, and then all that, that pile is made. And then early on, they try to identify whether or not we're going to have to expand the training footprint beyond, you know, the three days. So that's one of the factors that's put into if outside of any additional FAA requirements that may come down, you know, outside the normal world. It's safe to say, though, that obviously an additional day of training is a tremendous expense. So every effort is made to try to keep the footprint at three days. So you say three days, but ETOPS makes it a fourth. Is that correct? Uh, this year. This yeah. year? Will, will it Actually, be? this year, ETOPS makes it five, five days. right? Yeah. But your ETOPS recurrent is a, a 36-month deal. So the, there won't be an ETOPS recurrent for next year. So, Rob, with 2023, it'll be a three-day footprint. But are there any extra parts added this year that we have, our pilots haven't seen before? Uh, yes. There'll be a, after the LOE, which will be a one-leg LOE, uh, then they will have, you'll have an LOT which is a line-oriented training flight. And how does that differ from an LOE or from the MOT? Uh, so the LOE is going to be, it'll be similar to the LOE, except it's a not an evaluation. It's a training event. It can be stopped at any point. You, you don't fail it. It's just a training event. It's one leg. You're actually going to do uh, de-icing, which we've never done in the training uh, world before, except through discussions. And you're going to do a very short flight from Hayden's, from Steamboat Springs to Denver. And there'll just be a couple scenarios brought about that the data has shown that we could use some additional work on, but no additional time. The, the LOE is just one leg, and then you'll have an LOT. We did something similar to this a couple of years ago when we did the rapid depressurization after the one leg LOE. But that was more like a just a, a single maneuver, right? Or a... No, it, it, it was a single maneuver. And the distinction is that the way that kind of works, uh, if you're there, is you do the LOE. And once you arrive at the gate, the check airman will say, okay, LOE's done. So now we're going to do some training. And then they start into the LOT. So there, there's a distinct divide between evaluation and training. Obviously, there's a lot of new hires coming through now. Is there anything that you would tell them specifically that you would do? Or is there anything that you do differently for new hires than you would for people going through regular training? Uh, well, it's an entirely different deal. Uh, continuing qualifications done within AQP. We, we've all just discussed what, what that looks like. Uh, a new hire training footprint is still essentially what's been done here prior to AQP for the past 20 years. It's called an N&O program. So the evaluation results in a proficiency check as opposed to a line-oriented scenario. So our new hire pilots are presented with uh, needing to acquire, generally needing to acquire a type rating on the airplane. So it's a more of a nuts and bolts system-centric event more so than, than line-oriented. Best advice I have for new hires is start your study often and early and uh, take advantage of the early days that you're here to, to prepare for some of those things that are basically rote knowledge. So it's a memorize and learn kind of thing. So in that regard is uh, don't slack off, stay busy and uh, study. 
what if they have some challenges in terms of like with instructors or just the material? If there's, we call those personality conflicts and it happens. I mean, it's, we're all human. Southwest is very good about things like that. If a, if a personality conflict is identified in training, uh, they'll make an instructor change. So my first advice would be initially reach out to your leadership in training in the new hire class and let them know. Don't be afraid to say it. They, they're used to hearing it. It happens all the time. And they generally will address it. If they don't, then uh, reach out to me and I'll, I'll get in it and get involved and see if we can get something everybody can live with. Do you have any examples of, of how, like, how you've helped anybody in the past or how that's panned out? Well, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a new hiring class. And he was, you know, obviously, initially the classes are Monday to Friday. They don't do much on the weekend. And uh, he had some significant challenges going on at home and needed to be at home. So he called me very early on a Sunday morning, and I reached out to the folks that, that can take care of that. And he was on his way home and removed from the current class he was in to start in the next one, and they got him home to take care of his family. That, that's the sort of thing we do. Greg, can you comment at all about some of the changes that we're seeing uh, in the new hire training or, or the new hire classes? What are you guys seeing from your perspective? Well, obviously, uh, from times past, we see very few pilots that show up here with a type rating on the 737. And that's the curriculum hasn't changed a lot. They've added some pieces to support that. But it's still a pretty action-packed deal, especially getting a type rating in the process. Uh, one of the other changes is the FAA recently has made some changes to the requirements uh, for the type ride. And in past years, when we could put two pilots in the simulator and conduct two events or two, two ratings in, a sim, in one sim period, there's no longer time to do that. So it adds a day to the new hire's footprint because they have to have a separate event and each one does seat support for the other. So it extends the footprint of training. Uh, other than that, not a lot of changes there. And speaking of changes, uh, can you comment about the changes that are required for the lance captain training that there, our guys go through every year? Yeah, there's a, that's still a work in progress. Um, the intent is to capture lance activities within the AQP. Going forward, that started earlier this year, if you're a lance captain, when you come into Dallas, your LOE is a little bit different. You do some in the right seat some in the left seat. Some of the other things they're working on related to that is, for example, when a Lance sunsets and he hasn't bid a captain's position uh, in the past, when he shows up for training in CQT, he's still going to do it in the left seat, even if he hadn't been there in a year. So they're working on a downgrade and upgrade recall under AQP, which what that's really going to do is it doesn't change much on the first side of that, but for the upgrade back to captain, it should shorten that up from having to go back through the full initial program, which is about a month, uh, down to about five days. But that's that's still a work in progress, but it is, it is on the horizon. Uh, speaking of other changes, uh, is there any news or updates or changes coming to the ETOPS training program, either from the initial or from the recurrent side of that house? No, no, nothing as yet. There's some changes to our ETOPS procedures that are on the horizon um, in terms of some of the things that happen, which will be driven into training. But uh, 
that hasn't happened yet. What I'm referring to are thing it was originally scheduled for the third quarter of this year that we no longer had to run the APU in the ETOPS airspace. That's been delayed a little bit. I'm not sure why. Uh, the other change is the requirement for plotting. That's That's been out there to no longer be required again. Uh, initially, that was fourth quarter of this year, but that's been slowed down just a little bit. So switching gears a little bit, what would you say is your biggest challenge as far as dealing with the training center? I would, from my perspective, just based on the business, you know, with the new hires coming through, the training activities have blown up tenfold from where we ever imagined they would be at this point. So there's a lot of new people probably trying to coordinate the communication between SWAPA and the training center with all the new people. Sometimes it's challenging, but we're both working very hard to maintain that level and improve it. That's probably the biggest thing. Sort of in, along those same lines, one of the things that we've heard a lot about here at SWAPA is the number of instructors. Has that sort of been ironed out? Do they have enough instructors to put all the new hires through? Are they still working on that? Well, they're, they're still working on it from the perspective as if they, it, when they take somebody, if you will, off the street to become an instructor at Southwest, the time from showing up on property to being fully qualified as an instructor is about six months. So those efforts have been going on for about six months. So we're anxiously hoping to see the fruits of that as they begin to, to come online. The other thing that they've done that's helped it a whole lot is for the first time ever here, uh, they've decided they're going to use part-time instructors. So there's a lot of retired pilots, retired check airmen, et cetera, that didn't want to commit to a full-time job in Dallas, enjoy coming in, working 10 days a month, for example, and keeping their hand in, in flying. So they had a lot of applications and a lot of prospects for these part-time instructors. In fact, Anybody within months of retirement here have been receiving phone calls from the uh, people department, letting them know that these instructor jobs are available. So that's helped a lot. They announced hiring of 2,200 next year. Is that, do we feel like that's really going to reasonably happen? Remains to be seen. Final question, guys. Any last words of advice for our listeners on this podcast when it comes to training and standards? Yeah. You know, one thing that pilots sometimes are a little hesitant about is if they do have a problem in training, they fail a check ride or don't get recommended for their check ride on time, the company conducts a debriefing and it's not disciplinary in nature. It's designed to figure out what's wrong and the best plan to remediate it. But we're all human beings. We all have issues at home. We might have medical things going on uh, that could be causing problems. So, uh, the company's required to ask you before you go to one of these debriefings is, do you want SWAPA there? Uh, I can tell you that 90 plus percent of the time, the answer is yes. And there, there have been times that uh, we've been able to intervene and frankly save a pilot's career. Had we not been there, probably wouldn't have resulted that way. So the best thing I can tell everybody is if you find yourself going to a debriefing for a training event, call us and have us there. Our thanks to Greg and Rob for being on the show today. Their knowledge on training and their ability to help our pilots with their annual trip to Dallas is invaluable. As I said, please don't hesitate to call them if you have any concerns, be it as a new hire or a pilot going through recurrent training. And as always, we'd like your feedback. If you have any podcast ideas that we have not covered yet or any SMEs you'd like to hear from, 
please let us know at com at swapa.org. Finally, today's bonus number is 1%. Greg and Rob told us that the failure rate on the LOE this year has been less than 1%. That just illustrates the hard work our pilots have done in prepping for their training, as well as the level of professionalism they demonstrate every single day. Thirteen sixty-eight, Midway Tower, wind zero nine zero at nine zero one four, exit line. Four right, clear to land, southwest thirteen sixty-eight. 